Hey, my friend, welcome to today's episode. This is Jen here. In today's episode, I interview Jerry Lonson, who is the founder of Studio 220 Films and the director and producer of his new movie, The First Step. It is something I got to partner with him as an extra, so it's just kind of fun to hear his story and his backstory of how he got pulled into film. Now, I wanted to have him share this with you because we talked in recent episodes about the process to your promise, and I feel like his journey is such a beautiful picture of that that I wanted to let you listen. Listen for the parallels that apply into your life. Apply. I feel like I see uh, elements of the story of Joseph in his life, which is kind of cool. And the first half of the episode is more about his story. The second half of the episode is where we kind of dig into some application and pull out some parallels and some principles to really help you, as well as what it looks like for him to hear the voice of God in the process. We have a couple life hacks woven into the end of the episode and ways that you can connect with Jerry if you're also interested in acting, producing, or participating in film. So let's jump in. This is a really entertaining episode. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. guys. Thanks so much for joining me here at Java with Jen. I'm super pumped for my guest today. He's a gentleman that I actually met recently and have joined in a project of his. He's a producer and a director, and he's working on a film that I got to be an extra in. But what we're going to talk about in today's episode is actually his journey into the dream that God put in his heart of making movies. Many of you guys that are listening have dreams that God has put in your heart that are larger than your hands can carry and bigger than you can fulfill. And believing God and walking with God into the fulfillment of that is where the where the journey is. And so I think that his story is going to inspire you. He has um, just a lot of wisdom and just cool ways we see the Lord move in his life. So Jerry, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay. So like I said already, a lot of people can identify with carrying these dreams in their heart and stuff and, and even stumbling into what that could be. So how did you hone in on what your calling was? And that'll kind of introduce you a little bit to us as well. Well, uh, something that uh, a pastor, a friend of mine, my old pastor used to tell me all the time was, if you only told everybody, if you want to know what plans God has for you, look back and see what he's trained you for. Mm. Whatever God has taught you, has trained you for your entire life, is what he's got plans for you for. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Wow. Um, I, uh, I'm not going to give my age right now, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Over 50 years ago, I'll let you do the math. Over 50 years ago, when I was somewhere between four and six, I made my first uh, movie. Uh-huh. I, I took it and I drew pictures on pieces of notebook paper. I cut them into strips and I drew individual frames on these on these pieces of notebook paper. And I taped them all together into a long strip. And then took a shoebox and cut a screen in it, cut a hole, put the uh, wrap the paper film around two paper towels and put it in the side of the box so I could, so I could turn it and advance it frame by frame uh-huh. and show my movie. Okay, wait, before you keep going on that, how did you as a five-year-old figure that out? That is what blows my mind. I wouldn't be able to figure that out if I was trying to figure it out right now as a 39-year-old. I don't know. You know, it's a God <laughs> thing. I mean, I've always loved movies. 
to prove I'm a filmmaker and not a businessman, I charged all the kids in the neighborhood a penny to watch my movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And I went to the I went to the uh, store with my parents and spent all that money buying candy, and then brought it back and gave it out for free to all the kids who were watching the movie. So I'm not a business person. <laughs> um, from there, uh-huh. my friends would always say that whenever I told a story, it was like it was real, which was mm. a great compliment to me. And so I kept doing that. And this is before, obviously, this is before video, before anything. Now, there was film, but it was not for the masses for the most part. Once I got to about seventh grade and we had to do a history project Mm -hmm. and most people would do, you know, book reports or a few of the the, um, overachievers would do like a diorama or something like that. Well, my friend and I decided to do a movie. We had, he had a super eight millimeter camera, movie camera, his parents did. Uh-huh. No sound. It was just shot silent. But we went and we shot a complete history film. We called it our history, and it went all the way from the dinosaurs because I had a dinosaur model that I did stop motion on and make it walk across the yard. <laughs> and then we didn't focus. We tended to focus on wars. We did the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, um, World War One, World War Two, um, future nuclear war. We just set a bunch of models on fire in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And then we built a complete mock-up of the inside of the space shuttle in our garage. In oh, my wow. garage. This, this is before the actual space shuttle, by the uh-huh. way. It hadn't even gone up yet. Oh, wow. We had, Christmas lights. we had four walls and a ceiling and a front wall with a view screen that we shot film on from the other side with little models of, of uh, spaceships from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And then we had Christmas lights all on the inside and, and a black and white TV screen playing a game of Pong really fast to make it look like it was some kind of, you know, futuristic display. And we, we shot a, a, a space war. And we showed this film in our history class and our history teacher watched it and he didn't say a word. He just stared at it, just stared at us. And the, the kids, you know, they were fairly entertained with all the things blowing up and stuff like that. And when the film was over, he looked at us and said, y'all, y'all stay here. Don't move. And he walked out and we thought, oh, we've done something wrong now. And he came back with every other history teacher in the building and said, show it again. And we had, I forgot to mention, there was no sound. So we had three tape recorders, you know, push button tape recorders Uh that you had to start them each at the right time to provide the soundtrack. We had one doing music, one doing uh, narration and Uh one doing sound effects that we made up. So you had to start them all at the right times. So it was like playing an instrument to get this film to play. Wow. We said, show it again. So we showed it to all the history teachers. And then they brought all the history classes in to watch it. Uh-huh. And then we got invited to Lamar University to show it to their film school. Wow. We were seventh graders. And at that point, you know, if I did not have the bug before, I was, God, at that point, said, dude, this is what we got. This is what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. Just get used to it. Wow. And I was still really too young to, to realize that calling, but I kept making videos. We moved on to half inch videotape, you know, the kind that sat on the big cart, you had to carry around. The camera was attached to the cassette recorder by cable. The tapes are about this big. Mm-hmm. In high school, I was in drama, and my junior year, we always did a play at the end of the year. I said, Why don't we do a video? Oh, okay. And so we did, a, we did a comedy. I was always into comedy, and it was. Okay. Hilarious. It was, it was stupid, but it was campy and it was so much fun. Uh-huh. And then uh, we did another one my senior year. And then I, when I graduated in 84, I went back in 85 to the school and said, listen, maybe you ought to think, maybe you ought to think about putting together a video course, you know, like a TV course to teach students how to make movies, how to do TV. Mm-hmm. 
because I felt like I had a real attitude for that. And we could film, you know, high school football games like broadcast style. I've been I've been working with that type of thing, and they're like, nah, that'll never work. Wow. Five and years that, later. Wait, when was that? When was this that? Nineteen eighty-five. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. By nineteen ninety, every high school in the planet had a media class teaching television and teaching the same type of thing I was pitching back then. Yeah. I was always five years too soon. That was, I figured out I was always five years too soon. Wow. I just kept doing that. I just kept learning skills and I kept watching movies Yeah. and learning from them. And I always would tell people you watch a movie with the sound off and you watch the visual. You see what story they tell. Mm. I'm always about telling story visually. So I kept doing things. I kept making videos here and there. And, and, um, I went to, uh, I started working as a scuba instructor for a dive shop mm-hmm. and that lasted about a year, two years, like uh, something like that. I went to work in the refineries and in the computer industry and, and for the refineries as a computer operator. I went to work for Time Warner and just kept working on the side doing these things. And then we launched their internet department, their Roadrunner inter- cable internet. I was one of the first people working on that. And while I was doing that, I started going to the church I used to go to and I'd gone to Mexico with some friends of mine that have a water well drilling ministry. Mm. And I'd gone to Mexico on one of their water well trips and made a documentary called Every Eight Seconds. Mm. Because every eight seconds, a child would die from lack of clean water, either through disease or through something else. And so I made this documentary telling that story and telling what they were doing. And when I showed it to the pastor, he was very appreciative. And I was I volunteered to, to be part of their media department. Mm. which at that point was just a single camera, but I always had bigger dreams. God kept telling me there's more, there's more for you to do. There's more for you to do. Yeah. Here's what I've got for you. Just, you know, and it was still, still building in the back of my head, but there's more bigger than this. Mm. And so he had asked me one day, he'd always ask people, you know, is there a way to, for people to watch our services around the world? And everyone always told him no. Mm. And so he asked me and I told him, of course there is, it's just a matter of bandwidth. And he said, okay, make it happen. Wow. Okay. So myself and a couple other people put together a proposal to build a broadcast center, multi-camera, mm-hmm. graphics, professional intros, music, professional camera, everything. And we built an actual TV station in that church. Wow. And we started broadcasting our services, TV stuff. We've all seen Christian movies or TV shows that are just cheesy, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But people watch them because they're Christian and that's, yeah. that's, that's the wrong thing to do. You have to have a higher level of quality. Yeah. Because if you're fishing, then you have to have the right bait. You yeah. can't you can't throw something old and cheesy out there and you're not going to catch anybody mm-hmm. with it. So uh, we kept working, kept getting better and better and better. At one time I had a crew of 30 volunteers working with me. I was working full time then mm, uh, wow. doing that. And then we started traveling to the Middle East to do biblical documentaries. We would go to places where the Bible, where the stories in the Bible actually happened. Wow. We would shoot documentaries from there. I've been to um, the stream bed where David got the rocks to fight Goliath. I've been to uh, the tomb of Abraham in Hebron. Uh, We've been shot at, we've had things thrown at us. We've had very interesting moments. We've been places, I've been places that tourists will never ever get to go, ever. Mm -hmm. But all the time through, God, I just had a, a complete peace that God was taking care of us because you're doing the right. This is what I want you to do. So we kept doing that. Yeah. And then we built a, then I built a 24 seven 
um, actual TV station that streamed 24-7 on YouTube, built of old public domain television shows and movies and cartoons and commercials. Then we put in our original stuff. We did a, we did a, uh, a cooking show. We did a, 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 several talk shows. And those were actual television quality things we would put into this, to this network. And we had a guide. You could tell what was coming on. Yeah. You know, like looking at an old TV guide. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger, but it was also getting more and more expensive. Mm. Well, uh, one day in 2015, I believe, I remember the year, remember the five years ahead thing. Yeah. In 2015, I went into what I thought was a budget meeting Uh-oh. and instead was told that um, they were dissolving the entire department. Wow. There were several things going on in the, in the church, but the biggest thing was money, but there, you know, Things we won't go into, but sure. not only were they not only were they stopping the, the TV station, they were stopping the live streaming, stopping the live streaming. Wow! They were stopped. They were dissolving the department. I was being let go. Wow! You know, everyone was everyone in that apartment was gone, and I was told that streaming was not the future. That you know churches weren't really doing anything streaming online. There was not really going to be a future in church streaming online. This is five years. Five years later would be 2020, and we'll let you figure out what happened at that <laughs> yeah. That's where everybody's online. Everybody's connected online. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I was I was out of work again, and this time it was a lot worse because my entire life had been wrapped up in this job. I felt yeah. like it was my entire identity. Sure. Um, because I was doing what God wanted me to do, and so well, now it was like, it was kind of like your Isaac on the altar moment, except you you weren't asked for it. <laughs> you didn't put it on there; it just got taken. Right. Um, I felt like I'd been trained for a purpose. And now the purpose was no longer there. Sure. And I was trying to, I was trying to get on other, other places, other churches, but by this time churches wanted, uh, you know, they want the young kid with the MacBook and the coffee house type stuff. They weren't looking for, I was making long form stuff, you know, yeah. films and documentaries and things that, that had story to them. Yeah. I was, I was never able to do the short stuff the way people can now it's not my forte now what God taught me to do and so I went several years trying to find anything mm-hmm. and I did a couple jobs here and there that just were horrible and I was so burned out that I said I would never make another video again I was done mm-hmm. you know God God had trained me sure but then what was I supposed to do now you know there was no and so I ended up working for the uh, mm-hmm. Texas Department of Criminal Justice Mm-hmm. I worked as a correctional officer in one of the uh, prisons around here, state prisons around here, which was about as far away as you can get from what I was doing. Mm. You know, I was, I was, uh, I went from being in Rome, in Rome at the Coliseum and having some people come up to us while we're filming and said, we recognize you. Not me, they recognized the person that I was always behind the camera. They, they'd seen our show. Mm-hmm. Our show had been on, we were doing documentaries. They were on television. Yeah, they were there around the world. Wow. And so we had people come up to us in Rome um, from New from New Zealand who recognized us. Wow. You know, and then we were in uh, my pastor was in Israel. I was not on this particular trip. And some Japanese gentlemen came up and said, we see you on TV. We see you on TV. So what we were doing was reaching the world. Yeah. And that was amazing to me. That was my life. That was everything. And I didn't have any of that anymore. I was working at a prison where you know, surrounded by killers and rapists and child molesters, people who spit on you and threw things at you. And, you know, and wow. I, I faced a moment there where I decided that, okay, 
I can't do what I was supposed to be doing, but at least I can be the best I can here. And so I became the, mm. the officer that was uh, respectful to everyone to no matter what, if you were there as an offender or as a, as a employee, I treated everybody the same because it was, it was not my job to judge these people. It's my job just to make sure they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And so I became known as, as that officer, the one that everyone could depend on that mm. everyone, you know, would not mistreat anybody and would treat you with respect. Everyone was sir, you know, or ma'am, no matter who you were. Wow. The, the year that Laura, the hurricane Laura came through, we were evacuating all our inmates to another unit because we were going to get hit at that point. And I realized I was seeing a lot of gnats in front of my eyes, especially my left side, my left side over here. I was seeing a bunch of gnats flying around and we had gnats on the unit. So I didn't really think about it. Mm. Well, I woke up the next day and I had a dark circle wow. in my eye. Wow. And that circle grew and grew. And within three days, the division was gone in my wow. left eye. Wow. And it was a detached retina from diabetes. Mm. Um, I was also about 150 pounds heavier then than I am right now. Wow. And it was a wake up call for the next year. We went through surgeries after surgery, I think six or seven surgeries trying to repair it. Wow. And none of them worked. And so eventually they had to take it out. There's nothing, there's nothing behind this patch. It's just, a, it, there's nothing there. My wife gets sad every time she thinks about it, but it, I keep telling her it's probably losing my eye is probably the best thing that ever happened to me because mm -hmm. it made me reevaluate my life. It made me, I had to retire from the state because you can't work surrounded by killers with one eye because they know that. <laughs> yeah. They can you know, take they respect you or not, it's still not smart. Yeah. Um, it made me reevaluate my health. I started mm -hmm. getting healthy. I lost, like I said, 150 pounds. And wow got my diabetes under control and, and, you know, I'm in the best shape now of my entire life, which is, you know, amazing. Wow. It just made me look at a lot of different things. And I started dabbling in video again, just out of curiosity mm. and like a little spark yeah. that she had kept blowing on all this time, keeping it going, you know, cause I was ready to give it all up. And so I started just playing a little bit, you know, phone video and they didn't have any equipment. And again, started watching, you know, training videos and watching films and dissecting them and, the spark just grew. God blew it a little bit more and it got bigger and bigger. And then the old church contacted me. They were having difficulties um, trying to do their stuff online because it just didn't look like it used to. Well, yeah. okay. So the, I went back to work for them for a year mm -hmm. trying to help them, you know, get better. And all the time I was doing it, God was saying that this is not it. There's, there's something bigger. He had given me a dream before I went back that wow. showed me this whole future laid out. The whole wow. Studio 220 films concept again he tried to show it to me about five years before and it didn't work out it wasn't time yet mm. and so he kept telling me this is what i want you what i want you to do is bigger than what you're doing mm -hmm. and he kept asking me have you done what i've told you and i would say no sir and he, <laughs> asked, he would ask why not mm. we got asked god asked why not there's not really an answer that you can give him yeah my wife and i talked and i, and I decided to retire completely mm. from there from everywhere and focus on this full time. Mm. I said, I hate that because that makes you the only person bringing in money, supporting us. And she is an emergency room nurse. Mm -hmm. She said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Wow. And so after a lot of prayer, I turned in my notice and, you know, and, and I was going to give him six more months and God said, Nope. <laughs> what about four more months? He goes, Nope. Yeah. So then I was going to give him two months and when, the pastor asked me, when did, you know, how much longer did we have? God said one month. I said one month. <laughs> I came out and started doing this, you know, and uh, I tried doing commercial stuff first, which was not working. 
Mm. And my wife said, you know what? God wanted you to do stuff for him. We're not doing that. And it's not working. So, okay. So we flipped and now I'm not doing any commercial work. I'm doing purely film work, mm. building, doing films that uh, the base of Studio 20 films is to make local films that don't look local. Because again, it's the same concept where you have to reach to reach people. You have to reach them with a message that first they'll listen to. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad quality, if it's overly uh, judgmental, or if it's, we, we have a motto, Studio 220 Films has the motto of mm-hmm. don't suck, <laughs> which means don't be terrible. Don't do okay. stuff that looks like it was made in your backyard. Yes, please. That's it's supposed to look like that. You know, have good script, have good filming, have good acting, you know, don't suck. Mm-hmm. Number two is be awesome. Just do the best you can. Mm-hmm. You may not be Spielberg. You may not be fill in the blank, your favorite actor, actress, but do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And number three is no hammers. We're not going to beat people over the head with scripture. We're not going to beat people over the head with thou shot or thou shalt not. We're not making church movies. Mm-hmm. We are making faith-based movies that you're not afraid to show your pastor. Films that are enjoyable, that people like to watch. And if your pastor is watching it with you, he's not embarrassed and you're not embarrassed. Mm-hmm. That's the way we, the films we're making. And we want, we want to make them high quality. Yeah. Um, and because that's how you reach people is that we want to plant a seed yeah. in someone. We don't want to, where our job is not to get them saved. It's right. not. Our job is to plant a seed. And then that seed will be watered by God and by other people. And eventually down the road, it might be years. That seed will grow into something that makes them, you know, cross the line, cross the finish line, get into heaven. And we had as much a part of that as the person who got them to pray with them. And that's why totally works for us. So let me uh, let me point out for those who are listening to your story and they and they hear you saying that I can already hear religious minded people going uh, going. But then you're not willing to be bold with your faith, you know, or whatever. But right. I would propose this. The enemy has been very shrewd and very strategic in the entertainment industry in that no movie leads you into Satanism. No movie makes you a witch. No movie makes you an adulterer. However, they all plant seeds and they are all very subtle. They're very strategic and it's smart because it's effective. And so we can recognize the effectiveness of it on that side. And I like that you have recognized, hey, that's actually a powerful approach because it is effective because of how God has made our minds to work that we underestimate the power of a seed. But like scripture talks about a little mustard seed becomes the greatest tree that there is. And so not underestimating. And I actually really love how you pointed out, like my job is to just plant seeds. It's God's job to water it and other people's job to harvest it. Like that is a place of walking in faith and, and not not micromanaging or trying to do God's job for him. You're just being faithful with what God's put in your hands. And that's all the Lord asks us to do. Exactly. And some of the the biggest things you have to face are people in the church, in the church who believe that if you aren't quoting scripture, then again, you're not being bold and you're watering down God's message. And I, I would say it's the exact opposite is that if you're first worst to someone or condemnation of what they do they're not listening to you anymore yeah yeah you know our 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 job is to is to plant those seeds and and to find the the right ground to plant them in is because you can't fish with the wrong bait you have to show people 
something that they're used to seeing as far as we're not of the world, but we do use the world's tools. Mm -hmm. we, we build what we need to build using the right techniques and the right philosophy and the right strategy to do what the world has done. Yeah. We just do it, you know, for a different purpose. Whether spring is upon us, New Year's is around the corner, or fall is on the horizon, we always have a reason to be digging through our closet and updating what we have to wear. But for a lot of people, it just feels a little rude going in the closet and looking at clothes that you just don't know what to do with. Many of the women I've worked with don't know how to choose clothes that will flatter their body or capture their style. And so she finds herself defaulting to jeans and a t-shirt or better yet, hmm, yoga pants. Listen, if that's you, your frustration is valid but I have a solution for you. You guys know I love fashion and it's because I've worked with over 9,000 women and have seen them come out of their shells and make sense of their clothes and feel not only amazing, but like they found themselves. Learning the basic skills to help their outsides match their inside awesomeness is something that changes your life. If you want help in this area, go visit jsamuelstyling.com, that's J, samuelstyling.com and click the link to check out my less than two hours workshop where I drill down to the most essential information that you need to have a total style transformation in bite-sized pieces. You'll be surprised how some simple keys can unlock so much revelation and confidence in your closet. So go again to jsamuelstyling.com, tap the link that says check out my workshop and grab the workshop for less than the cost of a new pair of jeans and experience your own style upgrade while you ditch all the closet overwhelm. Let me help you find the style you'll absolutely love. Well, it's it's interesting that the church responds the way that that you've encountered because if you look at the parables of Jesus, he literally told stories and oftentimes when people would ask him to explain his only response was he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And mm -hmm. he wouldn't even explain. And so literally Jesus was planting a seed and cloaking it. <laughs> you know, he was being very discreet and strategic. There was only a couple of times. I think the sermon on the Mount is probably the only time we can point to where he actually really more directly just if you will, used scripture. I mean, then it wasn't quite so much scripture at the time, but he did reference a lot of scripture, but, um, and so he, he cloaked things just like you're talking about. So you're still following in the example of how Jesus did it. When you go through the Bible, all the parables are stories. God, yeah. Jesus was telling the story wrapped in, in a way that they would understand using, using the phraseology, using, you know, things they were familiar with. It's the, it's the same thing. Yeah, is you tell you tell a story, a parable, and the truth is wrapped up in that yeah. in a seed that, you know, that is that is all you're doing. You're planting the seed. OK, so as I listen to your story, um, I heard a few things that I want to point out and, and I see this pattern. I like that we can kind of look big picture at your story because it allows us to see kind of like when you're reading the Bible and you can see a character's life. And I love that we can see how God moved throughout your life. A, that the message of your pastor remain true, which was, if you want to know what you're called to look back at what God has trained you for. And you right. can see throughout your life, how the Lord ordered your steps. And even the things that felt like curveballs to you, 
you can probably see how they still put tools in your hand that you needed, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how I, I, and I I'm, I'm starting to, to see this. It's kind of more of a theory than something I would preach as fact, but it feels like from what I've seen in Bible stories and people's lives, my own life and stuff, that when the Lord has called you to something, he'll allow you to go through a season, especially early on where there's a lot of favor and a lot of success and a lot of growth there because he's trying to establish that thing in your heart as possible. And right. then inevitably we go through a season where it feels like that thing is taken from us and it may never happen. And, and that's uh, kind of like, you know, the Isaac on the altar type of a situation. And then it's almost like the dream has to die. And we're like, fine, I'll never do the thing, whatever. I'll just never do it. It's okay. And then that's when the Lord later, he, you'd go through kind of almost a grieving of the thing God put in your heart. You go through the disillusionment that comes with things feeling like they didn't work out right. And then the Lord resurrects that dream again. But now it's actually your time to step into it in full measure. But you had to go through that journey because we learned so much about the Lord from the success and the favor and the dream being planted there. And then the death of that dream, like Matthew says, you know, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will bear no fruit. There's something essential about that painful process to seeing the dream fulfilled that for whatever reason is essential. And maybe because that's where humility is forged. Maybe that's because that's where we take our hands off and we let God be God, you know? And so I, I see that in your story. It, it, it's very true. It's, it's the part of believing in something that's so big that only God can do it. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And that's what God is showing. He gives you the dream and gives you the opportunity to take part in his plan. And when you take that, he shows you what it, what it could be like. And then it's not necessarily taking it away, but you go through a growing season that, mm -hmm. uh, because that's what, that's what teaches you. And humility is a great point. It brings you to, because you might have thought to yourself, you might have been some eyes stuck in there. Look what I've done. Mm. And God said, okay, well, let's see what you can do by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a punishment. It's a growing. You're either going to grow or you're, or you're not. Yeah. And it's, so it, it's all part of, um, God showing that, yes, you know, with God, everything is possible. We have yeah. faith that it's all possible. Without God, you know, you're working in a place full of murderers and thieves. And, you know, <laughs> when the Bible says, you know, open the prisons. We always think differently of that scripture, you know, now that we work there. Not, not necessarily we're going to open all these doors. But anyway. <laughs> um, I like this might not be a great idea. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, you've referenced a number of times in your story. And I, I want to pull this out because it's really the, the heartbeat of my podcast, which is teaching people how to hear God's voice in everyday life. And that that can look very simple. That can look sometimes not very plain, you know, like hearing God's voice in retrospect, I'm sure you can look back and say, Oh, God was speaking to me in all those moments in all those ways. But did it always feel, I'm sure there's moments where it was like, yes, God is speaking to me. And then there's moments that you're like, I'm not really sure if this is God, you know? So what was that like for you when you say God was speaking to me all the while? There are several times God speaks to me a lot through dreams. Mm -hmm. I have always had very hyper-realistic dreams since I was old enough to remember anything. Yeah. Um, and so God's always spoke to me that way. So a lot of times God does speak to me in a very clear image. He'll show me something. That's for me, that's how a lot of it is, is, is a clear, I'll be, I'll be running and I'll get an idea pop in my head fully formed. Mm. Well, I've, I've learned that's not my idea. 
Yeah. You know, I didn't put that there. You know, he teaches you things. He'll teach you in things and encounters with other people. Mm-hmm. That's things you have to watch for. When you're working with other people, just remember, anytime you're talking to another person or you're in your job or you're in the grocery store, that everyone that you're around is, God's a part of all of it. You know, and listen, and and when you stop putting yourself first, God begins to speak to you even more. Wow, that's good. Um, you can find the message in everything. Is you know, I've got lots of sayings or lots of things, but you know, one of the biggest ones is not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm we're we've created this entire movie studio, my wife and I. You know, and I I run all these things, but what I tell everyone, and I'm going to be telling them again today, is that failures belong to the leader. Successes belong to the team. Mm. You know, you you take responsibility uh, for your actions, and you and you don't. The only time it's about you is when there's a, when there's a mess up. Well, I messed up. <laughs> I didn't mess up. I messed up. You know, my my movie crew, my set crew, they didn't mess up. I messed up. Mm. But when you do great, it's them, and it is. It's they're the ones who did great. You just you just got to be the one at the top. You just got to be the one on the interview. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who are doing all this work. So when you listen. Just listen for God. Bloom where you're planted. Your seed as well. Yeah. Wherever God puts you, don't complain about it. Learn from it. Yes. You know, I spent three years in a prison. You know, I made it to, sar- I retired as a sergeant. I retired, you know, as, you know, one of the, the rank people, but that still you had to grow. I had to learn and I learned from everybody. I learned from, I learned from offenders. I learned from, you know, other officers. I learned from the rank people above me. You learn. Listen, keep your eyes open, your ears open, and don't complain yeah. about where you are and you bloom where you're planted because you are a seed as well. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. And and even we even see that in scripture. I mean, God used a donkey to confront mm-hmm. a man of God, you know, like God can speak literally through anything. And I think what you're saying is if you have the humility to hear God's voice when it's cloaked in these different things, suddenly you could hear God in so many things. And it takes on such the, the whole world takes on a different beauty. And then you, you realize how close God is because he chooses all these different avenues to whisper to us. I just love that. I see that you live that well, because, uh, I was an extra in this movie you're working on right now. And we'll get into that next. I was, me and my kids were an extra, but you went out of your way to make posts on Facebook about all the extras and the background people. I mean, like we have our own IMDB pages just for being extras. That's not normal. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Like, I don't think I could go be an extra somewhere in Hollywood and they give me an IMDB page. No, not really. But I believe that everyone who, everyone who touches this project should be blessed for it. Everyone should be recognized. Everyone from the people from the people who are in front of the camera acting to a person who hand delivers a cup of coffee to somebody, they contributed as just as much and they all deserve. I've got a rule that if you do anything on the film, then you get credit for it. You'll be in the end credits. You'll get an IMDb page for work you've done because you deserve it. You did the work. Yeah. You know, I believe in, in, I believe in team. I believe in everyone being together, painting that same picture. Yeah. You know, and so everyone should be recognized for that. That's so true. Okay. So tell us a little bit, I know that we're, we're here at the end, but tell us a little bit about this movie, um, the final step and kind of where that dream came from or what you're hoping to accomplish with it and how people can connect with you in that space. Well, actually it's called the first step. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. That's that's okay. Because again, it, it fits into the seed. It's, it's the, uh, God gave me the title while I was on a treadmill doing a, doing a five kilometer workout. The, 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 
title just popped in my head. It was a script that was given to us. Uh, a person from Houston, a script writer from Houston approached us, approached me and said, would you be interested in doing the script? Uh-huh. We read it and it was pretty good. It was a pretty good script. We had, you know, we, we, it's evolved over time, but it had a different title then. And while I was working out, God said, no, this is the title I want for it. Mm. Okay. And it worked and it, it has become the mantra for everything. Everything about this is the first step. Uh, it is about a, a man who suffers a tragedy in his life and it drives him away from his friends and away from God. And he has to learn to take the first step back towards, mm. I don't want to spoil a lot of things. So it's kind right. of hard to, to go a lot into it, but it's a, it's a story that shows that Christians have real problems mm. that we're not, we don't always get fairy tale endings. Christians don't have a genie that pops in and we, uh, it does his nose and grants you whatever wish you want. That's not the way it works in real yeah, life. Christians yeah. are people. Yeah. Uh, we just have the promise and the absolute belief in what comes next. Mm. And, you know, that, that's the, the big part of faith. So the first step is the film that has grown to be huge. We have a cast and crew, including you and your, and your family of over 80 people now. That's unheard wow. of. Wow. Well, you know, and the film will probably come in around 35 or 40 minutes when it's done. It hadn't finished speaking to me to tell me how long it's going to be. We're not finished filming it at this point. Yeah. But it's become one of the biggest productions ever to shoot in this area ever. Wow. And it, it mimics people who've been on it. And you can, you know, feel like they've been on real Hollywood movie sets. And that's what we're yeah. trying to do. We're trying to make people, everyone feel, I want everyone that, to feel important. I want everyone to feel like they've accomplished something. I want everyone who's done anything to go home at night and go, you know what? I did something today yeah. and I was able to help do something for God. And we've had people that are on the, that are on the set that are working with it, that have already had life changes wow. based on just what they've, just what they've done. And so that's proof that God is working that's towards awesome. that purpose. So that's awesome. Now, because it's a, a lot of people, if they're not in the film industry or familiar with the film industry, they don't realize how much money it takes to make projects like this and how much work it takes to get the money to make the project. So how can people participate with you if they're like, man, I love your vision. I love that you want to, you know, help this industry, bring Jesus to this industry and bring people to people or bring Jesus to people through this. Uh, How can they partner with you financially or in any way? We are, this is what is considered in the industry as a no budget film. Wow. Zero budget film, which makes it's going to, which means it's going to take about $7,000 to finish it mm. because, you know, that's what no budget is in Hollywood. That's <laughs> pocket change in Hollywood. Right. Um, we're working, we have an Indiegogo page right now trying to raise money. As of this time we're recording, we're at about halfway. We're at $3,500 to our okay. goal. The best way to get there, it would be probably to go to the Studio 220 Films page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mm-hmm. Studio 220 Films. It's all one thing. It'll take you there or just search for Studio 220 Films. I'll put that. I'll put all your links in the show. Perfect. That's perfect. Go in there. Any any type of uh, donation. We have we have perks things people can do. They can get special things for their, you know, for different amounts of donations or they can just donate or they can just pray. Prayer works, as you know, amazingly. (laughs) So, yeah. Say what happened. Say what happened recently. Um. But you texted me back. Yeah, day before yesterday, you and I talked about uh-huh. this conversation, and you you said a prayer for me and for the for the project and for the the film. Uh-huh. And part of the prayer was, you know, for God to open up His storehouses and bring resources down. Yeah. Okay. And yesterday we were at fifteen hundred. 
uh-huh. yesterday morning until I looked up and suddenly someone had come in and out of the blue donated $2,000. Wow. It got us to its halfway mark. So that was. That's the power of prayer right that, there. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I was, I still don't know what to say. I mean, I know what to say, but, you know, other than thank you, you know, to everyone involved, but that's, yeah. that's how it happens. You know, yeah. we're happy we have right now we have 25 days left in the campaign mm-hmm. as of today, which is uh, February 9th. Um, to reach that goal. We reached that goal. There are several things that we're going to be able to do to make the film even better. And again, mm-hmm. you want to present the best quality film you can to people. Mm-hmm. We're not presenting it as a Christian film. It's just a, it's a film that's going to have a, a faith-based message in it mm-hmm. that, again, plants the seed. Yeah. I'm not saying anything as people who go out there and, and, and quote scripture. There's nothing there's, that's great, that's fantastic, mm-hmm. but it's not the only way. Yeah. And in the end, it may not be the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, again, we're not making movies for church people. We're making movies for people to learn about Christians and to learn about God, to start them on that journey, that taking that first step. That's the whole yeah. point of the film. And God gave us the title was it's the first step. It's the first step for our film company. It's the first step for people who are watching it Yeah. to learn, to watch it, get that seat and maybe do a little Research, maybe ask someone, maybe ask a Christian friend, maybe ask someone about anything about what happened and it leads them on a path. It's the first step towards their eventual salvation. And we'll never see that. But you know what? When we get to heaven, they'll be there. Yeah. And when everyone, you and everyone who's worked on this on this production gets to heaven, there will be a endless line of people that are there that will thank you because of what you did. Mm -hmm. That one thing you did, that pretending to eat that burrito that you did as an extra. (laughs) <laughs> helped get them into heaven. Mm. And so you you have the same uh, rewards for that than the person who actually led them in the salvation prayer. Mm. Wow. That's that's what I feel and what God has told me over and over is that it, it's everyone is a part of it. And everyone yeah. has every little bit mm-hmm. is working towards that, that goal. Yeah. And so you have to be the one who gets them saved because guess what? You are one of the ones who got them saved. Mm, so, so and they'll just they'll just when you get there there'll be just endless lines of people mm. thanking you you know and you know you get a crown for that yeah. and which is again not why we do it but we do it to get them but it's but you know what i'm saying it's yeah i don't yeah. need to see the immediate response i know what's going to happen god's shown me what's going to happen yeah yeah and so now i want to get everyone involved in that well, and I want to, I want to encourage my listeners, like, uh, Jerry doesn't have a life hack for us, but my life hack in related to what Jerry's talking about is if you, if you want to have an impact on the kingdom, the most simple free, you can do it at any time way to do that is to pray. And so your life hack for today is pray for Jerry, pray for this project, pray for this vision he's put in that the Lord has put in his heart. And even a step, if you want to go a step beyond that, donate, donate to what he's doing, because as you guys have heard his heart, he's, he's bringing the gospel to the nation's in a way that is just unique as unique as he is. And, and I want to encourage you, Jerry, um, I went to Billy Graham's uh, museum and home and property and stuff uh, a couple of years ago. It's in North Carolina. It's beautiful. And when we walked through the story of his life, they said something that got my attention about the arts and entertainment industry. They said when Billy Graham was young, back then there were no preachers on television or radio. It was something that was isolated to the news and stuff like that. 
Um, but he saw it and he said, this is a vehicle to get the gospel further. This is a megaphone. This is how we get the gospel into the rest of the world. So he had a vision for what it could do to, uh, to enhance the, not enhance the message, but to, to megaphone, I'm, I'm missing the word I'm looking for, but to get the message out to the nations. Mm -hmm. Well, I know because if I know how traditional Christian religious people are, I know he dealt with some backlash over that because we tend to try to keep things pigeonholed into the lane we met them in, you know, and if TV and radio was dedicated to news, that's how people think of it. But he pushed past that resistance. And, he, and today, because of that, they say that even today, he is considered the most impactful minister in history because he wasn't turned off by a unique idea. He wasn't turned off by new vehicles of getting the gospel into the nations. The point was that it was getting there. That was the point. And so I want to encourage you as you're taking this approach, obviously, you're not the first faith-based movie producer or whatever. But it's amazing how many people are still resistant to that idea um, and yet how powerful of a megaphone that it is to use arts, entertainment and the media industry. There is there's a military term, a military saying, which I'm going to paraphrase, because if I don't get it exactly right, someone will point it out. So I'm going to paraphrase that many armies, they fight the next war with the weapons and tactics of the last war because mm. they haven't learned. Yeah. You know, things evolve. The war that we're fighting now is not the war that was fought, you know, 30 years ago or 50 years ago. It's different. Yeah. And if you don't evolve and learn mm. and use new tactics and new weapons, you know, the message stays the same, but the delivery method mm. might, might have been what you're looking for, delivery. Yeah. Is has to change with time. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and that's for everybody. And so that's so true. You know, if you want to make a difference, you've got to use the right tools. That's so true. So again, good. you know, we're not, we know we may not be of the world, but we have to use the tools. If we want to, we can, we can spend all the energy trying to build something new, mm. or we can spend that same energy, take their tools back and use them to put the real message out there and, you know, and yes, get it in there. So, yeah. That's so good. Now here, I will also say to those of you who are listening, I just love a Jerry, how your story just makes me think of Joseph in the Bible. <laughs> I just, especially he speaks to you in dreams. He took you to a prison, you know, all the things. Oh yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> that made that one. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but I would say you guys listen, remember these key things, what he said in the beginning, if you want to know what God's plan for you is look back and see what God has trained you for. Secondly, don't fight today's wars with yesterday's weapons. Ask the Lord what he's put in your hands for today's battles. Um, and then for a, an additional life hack, if you will, if you guys are like something about this approach to kingdom is stirring my heart, I would encourage you. I'll put the link in the show notes as well to read the book. I think it's called the, uh, the seven mantle or the seven mountain mandate by Johnny Enlow. Um, and it is, it's when I read it, I felt like I had fireworks going off in my spirit because he talks about the importance and the responsibility that we have as believers to not in a Christianese way, turn away from these places of influence, but instead to go and take the land, to go in and, and establish the kingdom. That's the mandate God has given us in the earth. And the Christian church has tried to insulate themselves and remove themselves away. And that's why evil has ruled and reigned in so many of these mountains of influence in our culture and arts and entertainment and media are some of those. And so go read that book. That's another life hack for you. 
All right, Mr. Jerry, do you have any last words of wisdom that you want to leave my listeners with? Oh, one of their wisdom. I was going to tell people that, you know, we are always building. We have, this is just our first project. Again, our first step. Mm. We have several other projects that are being written right now that are amazing and they're bigger. Uh. That, you know, along with, you know, people that, that want to give and help us financially, you know, people who want to volunteer, the people that want to be a part of what we're doing, mm-hmm. just reach out to me because okay. we are always, always open. And you may find yourself, you know, eating a eating an enchilada right next to, to the <laughs> generally here, the next, the next movie. Or That's an extra. Something bigger. We're always looking for people's talents because yeah. God has given you a talent. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you may be wondering what it is. It may be something that can help this, help what we're doing. You know, yeah. we'll find a place to put your talent, I promise. <laughs> so, yeah, that's amazing. Planet. You know, wherever God puts you, be the best you can be right there because it's a, it's a learning thing. Yes. You know, you're always learning. Never stop learning. That's Never so believe good. you know it all. That's so good. And I, I, I love, too, that the the messaging of your story that I hear in all of it is don't get weary of the process to your promise. Don't get weary yeah. of it. It's a process. We talked about that in one of my recent episodes, two of my recent episodes, because it's just a message we all have to walk through. There is a process to our promise. So Jerry, thank you for sharing about your process to your promise and how it's going to impact many. And I am excited. I'm honored that I get to be a part of your project in any way. I'm excited to be a megaphone to help get your message out to more people. And um, so thank you for taking the time to come on the show and share your story. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, you guys, thanks so much for listening. Share this episode with someone that you know, whether they're interested in in the entertainment industry or they're interested in just, they have a dream in their heart that they're on a journey to. Jerry's story can speak to, I feel like so many of us right where we are because we all have a dream that is bigger than us, that God has put in your heart and the process to get there is not always clear but God is always present. And so uh, share the episode out and otherwise make sure you're subscribed at Java with Jen so you don't miss next week's episode. If you want, go get your hands on some Java with Jen merch at javawithjenmerch.com and follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. You guys know the things and any links that were mentioned in today's show, go down into the description. I'm putting all the links there so they're easy to find and we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.